Coming up, eateries adapt to new seating restrictions, but not everyone is happy with the rules. The Lions Club District Convention moves online. Resilient Ararat's new campaign is brewing. The Ararat market needs your help, and Jill Richardson's art returns home to Queensland. You're listening to Ararat's Latest with local journalist Jack Ward. Hello and welcome. It's episode 22 of Ararat's Latest. I hope you've been enjoying the warmer weather in the past few days. Let's begin by having a quick look at headlines this week. There was an uplifting story on the front page of The Advocate on Friday by my colleague Tammy Munro. Early morning walkers rescued one of Alexandra Lake's signets from Tangled Fishing Line on Wednesday morning. Sadly, one of its siblings wasn't as lucky, but Colleen Butler waded into the water to rescue the injured animal before it was taken to local vet John Brennan. The youngster was cut free from the fishing line and then returned to its family. Arab police paid tribute to fallen colleagues in a small but solemn wreath-laying ceremony on Tuesday. Inspector Joe James and Sergeant Sean Allen laid a wreath in front of the Arab police station as part of National Police Remembrance Day. Blue Ribbon Foundation Arab branch representatives Terry Weeks and Di Radford also laid a wreath. And lastly, an avid local weather observer has raised concerns about the inaccuracy of Arab weather data reported by the Bureau of Meteorology. Richard Keyes keeps records of Ararat's conditions but had found them to be completely out of step with the readings provided to the Bureau from Hopkins Correctional Centre. He said rainfall readings at the prison are frequently inaccurate and that on some days there are no readings at all. Ararat eateries are adapting to the newest seating restrictions but for many restaurants and cafes located in Barclay Street, the logistics of outdoor dining are difficult. Seed cafe owner Bashal Kanal was full of optimism when I spoke with him last week. He can now seat 10 people inside and 10 people outside, half of his usual capacity but quite appropriate for the venue's size. Down a few more doors at Sicilian's, Bud Baritsk is abiding by the same blanket rule on patron numbers. His establishment can seat 10 people inside, despite their large space that could seat 60 people, if the four square metre ruling was in place without the cap. Bud joins me now. Bud, are you happy with this ruling? No, nah, it's a terrible ruling. When the first day it came in and they said, you know, 20 max, we thought, okay, that's not too bad. We're actually going to start dinner as well with that. And then um, the first day we actually had separate areas, 10 on one side, 10 on the other. And it worked quite well. But then somebody said uh, from council that, you know, they don't think we could have that. So I rang up the COVID hotline and, and you know, I was on hold for about 10, 15 minutes while they checked and, Basically, it comes down to not having a structure already there. And even though I said, you know, we're, people are nowhere near each other. and So, yeah, so no, we're, we're really hoping for 20. Um, I know they're pushing outdoor dining, but, you know, we had snow last week, so no one's going to sit out there at the moment either. Yeah, no, not much we can do about it, unfortunately. And all those who are listening and reading reading this article in the paper, they know how large the area is at Sicilians. You, you're unable to even put a divider up. No, it has to be an existing. We we have little walls up. They're not that high. They're only about one point something high, which sort of separates the restaurant into three little areas. And even if we had had 10 people on one side and 10 on the other, there's still ample room for them to walk through to the toilet, for example, without going anywhere near anyone else. Um, you know, to get to the bar without having to go near anyone else. So certainly the, the room is there, but so we run the risk of, 
somebody popping in and giving us a fine or <laughs> do we just uh, throw the line? So, yeah, we're not happy with the situation, but there's absolutely nothing we can do about it. Um, I said, we've rang up, had a chat to them, explained how, you know, and, and they can see by our map and that um, how much room we have, dining room. But, yeah, they're the rules, unfortunately. What about outside? How many people can you sit out there on the footpath? So that, at the moment, we, I've, you know, I'm probably 15 comfortably with the spacing. We have had ours extended to the uh, news agents. We can use that area there and on the other side as well. And our liquor licence will cover that. But as I said, at the moment, it's just, you know, we, we're having people come in. We're turning a lot of people away and we are suggesting if you'd like to sit outside, but it's freezing cold. No one wants to sit outside. You know, unless you can cover it and have heaters up and stuff like that. And we're not in a position to do that right now. There is a, a little fund that's available, but um, that hasn't been set up yet. A grant, sorry, I should say, but, uh, which which is meant to go for outdoor dining and stuff like that. But to do it, you know, like seal it with uh, sort of plastic tarps and stuff like that and get heating up, yeah, you'd need a lot of, a lot of money for that. Yeah, they've talked about that, that four square metre rule quite quite often. How many people, if you were just abiding by that rule, how many people could you fit inside, do you think? 60, easy. Yeah, right. we when uh, when it first started back in March, um, we divided the restaurant up and we had the tables like that. And, yeah, we were able to fit 60 comfortably. We've got a big area in here. Quite a difference. Yeah, yeah, of course. Mm. 10 to 60. And, and that, that enabled us to start doing dinners, um, dinner time as well. Because at the moment... It's just not worth um, worth it for us to sort of open up to dinner just for 10 people. And the problem you might run into is some people know. <laughs> I mean, I think half the population has a clue how many you can have in a restaurant. Sicilians is only opening for two sittings at lunchtime with 15 seats outside on top of the 10 inside. They're continuing to offer takeaway in the evenings and they're hoping for a change in restrictions that would consider the size of an area to replace the current blanket rule. The Lions Club of Ararat has made the call to move their district convention online in November. Spirits were high when President Bob Sanders spoke to me in July, but the second wave of COVID-19 has forced them to alter their plans. September the 7th was our, uh, our date that we would make the decision on whether the um, convention would go ahead as normal or as a delegate or as a um, on online only. Prior to that, because of the lockdown, the lockdown that came in, um, it became apparent that we weren't going to be able to have the convention as normal. It will now be conducted via Zoom on November 7th, so the legal formalities can still be carried out as required. Well, we can't actually postpone it because there's some legal duties as far as motions, etc., that have to be passed every year at the convention, and we cannot actually postpone them. We are still going to go ahead and um, pre-record our opening ceremony and uh, our remembrance ceremony, which remembers all our past lines. The Ararat Rural City has been very kind enough to um, let us use the, you know, all the technical stuff of the Ararat Town Hall to be able to pre-record that. So that will all be shown on that day. The club was expecting to welcome between 250 and 300 Lions Club members and delegates to Ararat from 67 clubs providing local businesses with an economic injection. 
Mr Sanders said he is now only expecting around 80 delegates to take part online. Very disappointing. On the other side of the coin, though, we have been lucky enough that the district um, has decided to hold the convention next year in Ara. So the fallout that we're going to miss out on this year will... The bit local businesses will actually pick up next year. Uh, the only difference, difference that will be is that the convention will be run by the district, not by the Ararat Lions Club. Coming up, Resilient Ararat is about to launch its Been Resilient campaign and I sit down with local artist Jill Richardson. the story. If you have an issue or event, get in contact. You, the listener, are the heart of Our Rats Latest, so send me a message or email ourratslatest at gmail.com if you have a news tip or an issue you want explored. Together we can get the answers, shine a light on local achievements, and ensure everyone stays informed with what matters in our community. The Daily Coffee Run will look a little different for Ararat residents over the coming weeks as Resilient Ararat launches a new campaign to promote positive mental health strategies. In support of Mental Health Week, Resilient Ararat has supplied cafes throughout the Ararat rural city with specially branded takeaway coffee cups. Project Officer Jane Moriarty is on the line. Jane, it's been a very different year than what you were planning when you first launched Resilient Ararat, but in a way it has been good timing for this sort of initiative. Can you tell me about this new campaign. Yeah, that's exactly right, Jack. So obviously it was it's not the year that we thought, um, but I think we were very lucky to get Martin to um to town to do the presentation from the resilience project when we did, just in time. And this um campaign sort of came, I guess, out of the COVID restrictions where takeaway um outlets and cafes were sort of the only thing open in town. Um and obviously everyone loves the coffee. So we thought, why not use that as a way to get our message across? So um, we did a workshop with a group of students from the participating schools and further developed this idea um, to use you know, customised coffee cups in 14 cafes locally um, that will spread messages around positive mental health strategies. So what sort of ideas come out of that workshop with those students? Um, it was actually really good. We had quite a few different ideas around mainly how to get different communications messages across the community. And we spoke a lot about, um, I guess, the impact of COVID on the community and who misses out from the messaging that the, the kids are receiving at school, um, especially throughout home learning. I know that a lot of the schools are focusing on wellbeing, but um, yeah, we had a, a fairly large conversation around that there were groups of the community that obviously were very stressed throughout this time and potentially missing some of those messages. So we came up with a few different ideas and a couple of new ideas similar to the Coffee Cup campaign in terms of being small projects. So they'll happen next year. When someone is heading to a local cafe on Wednesday or then onwards, what can they expect from their coffee cups? What branding is going to be on it and how are you going to be pushing this message out into the community? So the coffee cups are the blue of the Resilient Art logo and each size cup is a different um, gem letter. So gem being the principles of resilience, gratitude, empathy and mindfulness from the Resilience Project. So each cup has a different focus and has a question on it around one of those principles where um, the customer, once they receive their hot drink, can fill out a question on the cup as blank space provided and then use um, the hashtag being resilient to post it to social media. So 
that will be our main, I guess, vehicle for sharing the messages will be the social media campaign and us sharing that on Resilient Our Arts pages as well. And where are these cups available? Are they in every cafe in the Ararat rural city? Yeah, pretty much. So we approached um, all of the cafes in the Ararat LGA and we've got 14 on board. So um, we've got Deb's Diner, Cafe Pyrenees up at EGHS, Forages, Bread and Bet, Frothies and Frothies, uh, the gardens like Cafe, Seed, Tasty Bird and the Vines and Wax in Ararat. And then Laura Bakery, Moiston General Store, Grampians General Store, Intermonial and Lake Bolac Milk Bar. Just lastly, Jane, before I let you go, what are you hoping the Ararat community takes away from this campaign? So I guess the main thing about the campaign is just to reiterate the lessons that we learned when the Resilience Project came to town. And I guess a time to reflect on our practice of GEM and prioritising our mental health and wellbeing, but also looking out for others and what it means to be resilient as a community, not just as an individual. The Bean Resilient campaign kicks off this Wednesday, running through until October 21. Our rat market organisers have returned to the drawing board with a plan to revive their monthly market in November. Organiser Debbie Warrior said Council was not keen for an October event, but the following month is a possibility if enough volunteers can be sought. We have managed to get a couple of volunteers because we've got a man a gate either end and keep an eye on the numbers and stuff like that. So we're just basically preparing for that at the moment and starting to slowly get stalls in. I don't want to jump in and be half, half-hearted about it because I think it's a lot more complicated than some, some people think. It's not a five-minute job, you know what I mean? Mrs Warrior is asking for any locals interested who are willing to donate their time to get in touch via the market's Facebook page. Anyone you know, really willing to help us out. That would probably be over a few months while this COVID stuff's going on. It would be greatly appreciated. But when you sit down and do it properly, it is quite an effort. Everyone can't wait to get back to it, but I just want to make sure it's done right. Market organisers are remaining grounded because this is not the first time they've tried to return during the pandemic. In June, they were in a similar situation, but the second wave of COVID-19 squashed their plans. Mrs Warrior said they'll be monitoring the future changes in restrictions closely. This week's Your Say poll question was, should regional Victoria's next step depend on Melbourne? About 185 people had their say. 89% of respondents said no, our next step should not depend on Melbourne, whilst 11% said they think it should. The point was discussed once again at today's press conference, but it seems regional Victoria will be waiting until Melbourne's cases are at the target outlined in the roadmap. Artist Jill Richardson may be labelled Adobe local, but her heart still lies back home in outback Queensland. For 20 years, Mrs Richardson has lived on her property just outside of Ararat with her husband Richo, raising her four kids on their farm whilst painting on the side. She's now putting more focus into her creative flair, planning exhibitions and keeping connected with the land she knows best up north. I popped by Jill's studio last weekend. You grew up in Queensland, Mm. outback Queensland. Where did the, I guess, the passion for art come from? Well, my mum, yeah, she, um, we just, I'm one of four girls, I'm the third daughter, and we just had a house always full of art. And my grandfather was a sculptor, and he was apprenticed to his brother, his father and brothers, they were all sculptors, stonemasons. And, yeah, mum, just, we always drew, we always painted, we always made stuff. 
and Outback Queensland had, even though we were really isolated, had this wonderful thing called Arts West, where they it was um, it was a club, and each town all the women would sort of gather, and usually an artist or a silversmither or a hat maker, someone would come, and you would have these group days. And there was a couple of artists that came, and I was little, and I would just follow mum. And there was a particular artist from South Australia, um, Trevor Weeks, he's, he is in the gallery there now, came and he had all these stuffed birds. I was 10 and um, taxidermied birds and all the mums were drawing them and I really had a crack and they were really good. I've actually still got the drawings. And that's when, I saw, that's when a lot of people made a lot of comments how well I could draw. And then you get um, labelled a little bit as a kid so I was labelled as the artist. So I lived up to that as well. And then at school, it just, I am lucky. I think a lot of it's in your blood. Um, but also, yeah, how I grew up and what was what was available to me. We always, always just had the stuff to make stuff. And mum saying we could. And then I went to a boarding school at the Gold Coast because mum taught us. And we didn't even do it on the radio, which was school of the air. We did it correspondence so it was all by mail and then I went away when I was 11 and went to the Gold Coast to a boarding school and that had a great art okay. yeah and art was is that yeah. where it really took off when you got to yeah, boarding school yeah and I did extra courses and I did life drawing and I never thought it would be a profession though I was going to be a vet so I went to uni did first year of science Realised it probably wasn't like what I should be doing. But I did get into um, Queensland College of Art, which was really difficult. And I got in. So I realised that I maybe I was pretty good at it. And then, um, but I didn't go. And I, so I'm actually self-taught. So you got in, but didn't go. Yeah, and what you couldn't defer it. You? you couldn't defer it. I just, I do love the land and I do, I do heavily identify with being a farmer and a grazier and... It wouldn't kill me to stop painting. It would kill me to not live on a farm. I also was being sensible that I knew I needed to get a career. I knew I'd always paint and draw, but I didn't think it was the answer to what I was always going to do. Yeah, I'm 40. What am I? I'm 46, I think. And finally doing it. All my friends from school, you know, up to the Gold Coast and Queensland, are just punching the air. They're all like, yay, finally, because they always wanted me to do it. We're probably coming up four years actually coming in here at 9.30, in the morning and doing a full day. Yeah, having a real crack. There's been moments of lulls in that I've just gotten busy. Mm. So ISO didn't really work that well for me because of school. I can't sit here and paint. I zone out a bit and to be interrupted all the time, I mm. just couldn't do it. And so my sister, my little sister and I have been planning to write a book for a long time. Well, she was writing it and I was illustrating it. And it's pretty cool. We've been saying we're going to do it for years. So I thought, well, that's actually something I could be doing. So that's a really, I can't wait for that. And that was going to be part of the, the Brisbane exhibition was the opening of this book as well. Yeah, let's talk about that this year. What exhibitions were you supposed to have? Yeah, so Macedon we were going to do um, before Mother's Day. And when I say exhibition, I was just going to do two days. Um, and rent just there's just a building there and just rent it for the two weeks so almost like a pop-up maybe around well I was hoping for 12 to 15 paintings 
and then August was going to be a big one. And August was really exciting because it was bringing the paintings, bringing me back to Queensland. We were aiming at 20 to 25 paintings. That's, of course, fallen through, but we will do it. Um, I'll need to get painting. But Toowoomba, what's happening up there? So Toowoomba um, actually is all tied in with that Mount Macedon exhibition that I had. So she was a girl that I grew up with out back near Longreach, younger than me, and she lived at Mount Macedon and she offered me this cool building to do that exhibition. And then we talked about we really need to do one up there and she moved back to Toowoomba and she opened this really cool building. Well, it's opening on the 1st of October. This gorgeous building in Toowoomba, um, shop, coffee, art, and she's introducing me. Out of COVID, we would have had actually an opening and, um, and I would have done probably a body of work. But what I've just done is sent a cup, just a taster of what I've got to offer. Mm -hmm. So the plan is, as soon as we can, is to do a small one there, a proper one. In Toowoomba? In Toowoomba, yeah. yeah. And Toowoomba's a very big rural town, ultimately. What's next? Are you wanting to focus on some more exhibitions? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's that was my goal. So apparently artists are really bad at routine and, <laughs> and goals and really being strict. So I wrote down... A list of what I really, instead of just, oh, I'm going to paint that. Or, yeah, and definitely was to do a body of work and an exhibition. So I think when things get a bit back to normal, a bit more routine with the kids going back to school, I think that's, yeah, I'll just have a little look at where we're at. I want to finish the book, mm. definitely, um, and then do a body of work ready for an exhibition. Yep. Lastly, Carrie Street Kindergarten used Resilient R Rats Isolation Challenge to celebrate the end of term. The kindergarten's four-year-olds trekked to the Grampians, Central Grampians Len Building on Laby Street to hand-deliver their colourful symbols of hope. Kerry Street director Cara Bartlett said they linked the activity back to the virus and how rainbows can motivate people to continue to endure through hard times. I'd seen it on Facebook and... And we, can't, we just wanted a really nice way to finish the term, have a nice sort of celebration. So we ended up having a whole rainbow day. The children dressed in rainbow colours and we made biscuits and decorated them with, you know, Smarties making rainbows and they'd made, they, we did handprint rainbows. And, yeah, I guess we sort of tried to tie it back to that theme of rainbows can motivate us to continue to endure through hard times and they're often seen as a symbol of hope and good luck so we talked we, we linked that back to the virus you know it's been another long sort of um, hard term I guess um, with the restrictions that had been in place and so we linked it back to um, you know being back in um, lockdown and not being able to see friends and family and how rainbows are something that can help to cheer you up and look forward to the good times that are ahead and they all agreed that you know rainbows made them feel happy and 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 then one of the children said that you know rainbows make you happy because it means that the rain has stopped and the sun is coming out so we felt that was a really good analogy to the coronavirus because now the restrictions are starting to ease and they can go out and play again and one of the big things for children has been um the playground's been closed, yes. so the playground next door to Kinder was opened up. So we actually, after we walked down and delivered our rainbows, we then came back and had a picnic, even though the weather wasn't so great, but with <laughs> the rain held off for us and the children had a play in the playground next door. So it was just a really nice way to sort of celebrate the end of term and be part of that community project.
Isn't it great to see Resilient Ararat's initiatives benefiting the community? I'm not a coffee drinker, but I might just have to grab a hot chocolate in one of their new cups. That brings me to the end of today's show. Thank you for joining me. Feel free to listen back to all past episodes on your favorite podcasting app, and why not leave a review while you're there? If you have a story idea or just want to get in touch, throw me a line. You can message me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or email ourratslatest at gmail.com. Until next time, stay safe. This was Arat's Latest.